Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Soccer Morning right here on Backheel.com. Very happy to have you joining us today. Good show for you lined up, as always. It is snowing again where I am, which is unfortunate at this point. I am done with, with winter. I thought that Groundhog saw his shadow or didn't see his shadow. Which one is it? Someone explain the whole Groundhog situation to me. If he sees his shadow six more weeks, if he doesn't see his shadow, we're good to go for spring. Where's spring? Big fat flakes falling outside my window right now. Ready to be done with that. But we didn't make it into the office today to uh, to do some soccer morning. Very excited to have David Cartledge joining us, our friend from over in Spain, where I'm sure it is not snowing. We'll talk to him about the state of, the, of La Liga, certainly uh, Gary Neville and his travails <laughs> right now. Uh, the weekend we just went through in, in La Liga, certainly Lionel Messi's medical situation, Neymar's tax situation, Ronaldo's contract situation. Those are the, the three big things happening right now. It seems in Spain, and David will fill us on anything I'm missing. We start with um, our news rundown, of course. We'll start with Everton. Former San Diego Padres owner John J. Moores and his partner Charles Noel are close to a takeover of Everton for a reported 200 million pounds. That's about 289 million dollars. The pair has gone through a six-week due diligence process reviewing Everton's finances and their books ahead of the purchase. Everton is looking to move forward on a stadium plan, uh, but Chief Executive Robert uh, Elstone says that plan is not necessarily dependent on the new investment. But of course, you've long heard that Everton Football Club needed new money, that they needed someone to come in and put some uh, put some cash into that club so they could start to compete on a higher level. Uh, Everton has been sort of hamstrung by financial constraints for a long time. Uh, the, the, the fans, <coughs> excuse me, the fans of Everton will tell you that that's the thing that's been holding them back. Although, of course, um, driving interest in the club has not been easy. Apparently now they are at a high tide with that uh, situation and now a couple of Americans looking to buy in. The union representing the players of the U.S. women's national team have filed a response to the suit filed by U.S. Soccer. U.S. Soccer is uh, maintaining that a memorandum of understanding prevents the U.S. women from striking um, based on a CBA that that expired in 2012. Um, Obviously, U.S. Soccer is is worried about the possibility of a canceled NWSL season because this CBA slash memorandum of understanding applies to that season for the players who are in the national team program and for the Olympics, which coming up, is coming up this summer. The U.S. women are getting ready to qualify for that Olympic program here very shortly. Meanwhile, this is all swirling around them. The union, represented by uh, by famed antitrust lawyer Jeffrey Kessler, has refuted the claims of U.S. soccer uh, that they are entitled to an uh, expedited hearing. U.S. Soccer is trying to rush this through. They want a judge to make a decision quickly. Kessler's issues. Uh, uh, Kessler has issued some pretty scathing comments. Uh, go back and read them or go find them if you have not seen them. He claims U.S. Soccer has misrepresented records meant to back up their case that a CBA remains in place between the two sides. Um, I read through this uh, at, at, at a website yesterday. Uh, there were clearly some attempts on U.S. Soccer's part to take some words out of context, the former lawyers for the union were quoted out of context. Um, I don't know how normal that is in these processes. I don't know if that's something that we sh- that we should expect to see regularly in these fights. 
but usually it's no holds barred, so I'm not necessarily going to hold uh, U.S. soccer and their lawyers up as some um, bastion of evil uh, when it's more than likely that the uh, the uh, the union will lob their own grenades that are not necessarily of the um, uh, of, of of the best quality either. Lionel Messi is expected to play in Barcelona's Copa del Rey match against Valencia tomorrow, despite undergoing a procedure for kidney stones today. Messi was sidelined for those kidney stones during the Club World Cup uh, back in December. Did not train on Monday because of them. Barcelona currently holds a 7 nothing aggregate lead over Valencia in that cup tie. So you don't imagine that uh, you don't imagine that Messi's going to be needed much uh, against Valencia after the 7 nothing drubbing and that lead for Barcelona. In fact, there's really no reason for him to play at all. So I'm not sure why Barcelona is even worried about it at this point. The New England Revolution's latest DP signing, because they are just snake bit. Ivorian midfielder Xavier Kouassi has suffered a tear of his MCL and ACL in his right knee, set to miss at least nine, uh, at least six months, possibly up to nine months. Kouassi was set to join the Revolution from FC Sion in Switzerland in July. He suffered the injury on in Sunday's match against FC Zurich. Uh, FC Zion won that game, but uh, Kawasi was carted off uh, before halftime. This is bad news for the Revolution, and you have to wonder if there is going to be a knock-on effect for Jermaine Jones, who is currently in some sort of negotiation for a new contract with the club. He's called their offer a joke. They can't be too happy with him. He's 34 years old. There's lots of reasons why it's time to move on from Jermaine Jones, but if you have a player signed to your midfield who now is going to miss nine months, maybe that gives Jermaine Jones some significant leverage to push the Revolution for a better deal in 2000, uh, 2016. The, the Revolution took a step back last year. Uh, they need help in the midfield if they're not going to bring back Jones. What do you do now with Kwasi? Uh, injured and uh, a knee injury that even even if he does come back from it, six to nine months recovery, getting back fit, he's essentially done for the season in terms of a quality player helping that team. The website Football Leaks has published a document indicating Manchester United goalkeeper David De Gea stood to make $97.1 million if his move from United to Real Madrid had gone through last summer. The deal fell through, of course, you remember, very famously, when the paperwork was not done correctly, um, it pushed the process past the transfer deadline on the last day of the summer window. David De Gea was reportedly crying. Uh, La Liga was very upset. Uh, Real Madrid was very upset. Manchester United was very upset. They were lobbing accusations back and forth. Manchester United published something very weird to their website, if I remember correctly. It was like a uh, acknowledgement um, that something had gone wrong, but trying to shift the blame to Real Madrid. Uh, whatever. It didn't happen. A very interesting website, Football Leaks, by the way. If you have some time and you can stand the dryness of the documents, you should go through some of what they've published. Uh, the documents claim De Gea's deal was to be for six years at $12.9 million a year plus a $12.1 million signing bonus. And, of course, because um, nobody likes to, to put these things out in public, uh, Manchester United Real Madrid have not uh, commented on whether or not this was the actual uh, deal in place for David De Gea. In September, he signed a new four-year contract with Manchester United, believed to be worth in the region of £200,000 a week. As part of the new deal, United have the option to extend his stay at Old Trafford by another year. So he didn't get his move to Manchester, or sorry, to Real Madrid. He ends up signing a new contract with Manchester United, and now they kind of have him locked down a little bit. It's 
It's whatever. Don't cry for David De Gea. He's making a bunch of coin. Let's take a break. Uh, when we talk, when we come back, David Cartledge will join us. We'll talk some Spanish football with our good friend uh, David. Um, Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Valencia, Atletico Madrid. It's all there. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, we're back on Soccer Morning, uh, joined now on the phone by our friend David Cartledge, who uh, covers Spanish football and uh, does it uh, brilliantly. David, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be joining you again. Nice to have you back. All right, let, let me start. There's, there's a, a couple of things here. Obviously, uh, lots happening in, in Spain at the moment. Uh, Lionel Messi's uh, medical condition is, is probably a, a, a big headline right now. But let, let me start with... Um, uh, Gary Neville and uh, his time at Valencia so far. Uh, obviously, you know, getting waxed the way that they did by by Barcelona doesn't uh, put him in good stead. But at the same time, it was never going to be easy. How how are things for Gary, and and how has the response been so far? Yeah, I mean, to to be honest and be, to be direct, and uh, the, the the Neville era has been a disaster, quite frankly. Okay. You know, he he hasn't won in the league. There's honestly, I keep getting asked, oh, but there must be a positive. There must be something that he's brought to the table. And quite frankly, there's nothing coming through that we seen as a positive um, in terms of an individual playing better, in terms of training looking better or anything like that. There's, there's not really any positives. And, and I think that's a great, great concern um, at this moment. And I mean, the, be- but the Betis defeat at the weekend was, was, I think, I mean, there's been a lot of dark moments, but I think this was even a darker moment than getting hammered by Barcelona. Uh, Real Betis, uh, Betis with a one nothing win over Valencia. And, and, and what, I mean, is it, do you believe it's maybe a, a communication problem? Do you think that he's not ready for this? Lack of experience, obviously, is something that we have to worry about with a guy who steps from the punditry chair into, onto the sideline, for, especially for a club in a league like La Liga. Or is it is it just a matter of the players not being good enough at Valencia right now? What what, what is it? Um, I think the players are most certainly good enough. You know, at the start of the season, you looked at that squad and okay, I think they could have invested better, absolutely. But I still think there was a good squad that uh, to work with for any manager, whether it be Nuno Espirito Santo, who was who was sacked, or Gary Neville. But like you like you mentioned, I think the communication issue is so so big. I mean, he's he's got translators working around him. Gary, he's been taking Spanish lessons, but Gary Neville doesn't speak any Spanish, and it's very very hard to get your message across. And he's a, he's a very you know he's a tactically astute, emotional guy, and he's maybe not getting that across right now. His translators won't be able to get that across like he can directly to a player. Yeah, you know, I, I I've talked recently uh, with people who um, have uh, so you know. Just as an example, Bob Bradley, the American coach, is now in France. Uh, we had Jonathan Johnson on the show a couple of weeks ago, and I was fascinated by that element of of the the managerial process for a foreign manager. How do you convey exactly what you want when when everything has to be filtered through um, through a translator? It leads us to the question of why Gary took this job in the first place. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think. 
it was a bad decision on Valencia's part to uh, to appoint Gary Neville. I think that was due to to Peter Lim, the owner of Valencia. He he is friends with Gary Neville in in other areas of life. They they own a club in England together, Salford City. They've got businesses together, so that was wrong, I think, on Valencia's part. And then also Gary Neville. I think he could have judged it better. This 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 wasn't the right move for him at this particular time. Um, I think he could have found something in in England, potentially in the Championship division under the Premier League, and would have, potentially would have been a better area for him to work in. But I think Valencia was the wrong move for for everybody. Yeah, it's interesting because. So often we talk about the lack of British players, especially English players, moving abroad. Um, David, you know, there's just not a lot of players who are in this modern era sort of taking their chances elsewhere because the money in the Premier League is so good. And you, you know, maybe want to credit Gary Neville for taking a chance and going outside of the comfort zone. But if, it, if, if the pieces don't come together, and I'm looking at the table right now, 14th place, uh, Valencia, tied on 25 points with Betis, which is obviously why that loss was probably particularly stinging. Are they in danger of, of being pulled down into this relegation battle? I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. I mean, mathematically right now, they can get sucked into it, of course. I think they've got enough quality to see it through, whether they, I think, if they persist with Neville, which it looks like they might for at least one more weekend. I mean, they've got another game against a, bar, a basement team in Espanyol who themselves got slaughtered 5-0 at home last night. So, you know, he'll, he'll be looking at that game and thinking we can beat them. But he'll have looked at the Real Betis game and thought we can beat them. Betis were a team who had played 10 home games before they played Valencia. They had won one of them, and that was in September. And, and Valencia still couldn't beat them. And so they must, again, we, I feel like I'm saying this every week, but it's a must-win game again in Espanyol this weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's move on from, from Gary Neville and Valencia. Obviously, a fascinating story, and how much longer he is for that job um, remains to be seen. Uh, if it doesn't pick up pretty soon, as you said, it may be just an, another week or so. Uh, let's, um, let's, I, I was asked yesterday um, on the show by someone if I thought that Leicester City with a five-point lead in the Premier League right now, if they win on the weekend against Arsenal, whether or not I see that as, you know, they, they could, they're going to go on and march to the title, uh, or if I thought La Liga was closer to being over with Barcelona. Right now it's only three points, but they do have a game in hand, so potentially a six-point gap on second place Atletico Madrid. Um, which one would you say is closer to being finished? Do you, or, I mean, certainly they're both still in play, David, but which one would be closer to being finished? Um, I think La Liga is, is close to being yeah. finished. I, I still think Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid have got the problems are far, far too big to, to catch Barcelona, who I don't think I agree with Luis Enrique when he said they have not peaked yet. And I agree with that. Barcelona haven't even peaked yet. Uh, what, 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 I mean, <laughs> that's very scary. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> when, when, I mean, and that's obviously um, when it comes time to go and, and grab that ring that is the Champions League title again. Uh, I imagine that that will be the goal is to peak at that point. Um, r- right now, humming along the way that they are, is there anything that you could see that might trip them up? I mean, again, um, reading about Messi's kidney stone issues, is that something that could potentially be a problem for them? Or, or do they think it's it's treatable without him having to miss time? Yeah, yeah, they, they, they are expecting him to return to train tomorrow. So so we'll see the, see tomorrow what is the, the latest with that. But he's, he's headed to a clinic on Tuesday morning. Uh, for the procedure, I mean, there's nothing come out yet to see how that procedure has gone, but everything was expected to go smooth. But, but no, I don't, I don't think this is a major issue. And, and to be honest, going back to the question, I would, I would only see a major injury to a major player um, hurt in Barcelona. But I mean, 
it's difficult to see because they've got players to replace everybody, yeah. you know. I mean, I would maybe say an injury to Busquets to rule him out for the season. Hopefully that doesn't happen because we don't want anybody getting injured. But you don't want to see any player get injured for any team. So I would say an injury of Busquets would probably derail them a little bit. Is there, any, is there anything that is important in terms of the, the headlines right now in Spain? And I'm not trying to diminish the news cycle. But it seems to be so much fluff, um, David. I mean, I'm reading, you know, Ronaldo talking about whether or not uh, he's going to stay at Madrid for two more years. It is, you know, it, we, this happens every couple of weeks. Somebody asks him a question, how much longer are you going to be here? What's your future? He's saying, oh, I may retire after the 2022 World Cup, which last time I checked is still six years away. Um, Messi and, and the kidney stones, okay, that might, be, that might keep him off the field, so that's certainly worth talking about. But things like... Um, uh, Busquets or um, Gerard Piquet, to, you know, it, people talking and not saying a lot. What what is the headline right now that actually matters in Spain? This is the thing. There's, there's nothing really to, of substance to look at. I mean, the, the Valencia story with Gary Neville is probably one that is generating quite a lot of traction. It's, it's incredible to see the form that they are in and a club like Valencia in the state they are. But as you say, it's just these throwaway comments to, to different media outlets. Busquets has said that he, he'd like to play with Pep. Ronaldo is on about his contract saying he might go away. Capello is saying that Ronaldo has got three years left at the top. Different things like this, these very throwaway comments, and you, you don't really read too much into them, and there's nothing really of substance. But these stories that aren't of substance, these are the ones that sell in Spain. Yeah. The, the, the real stories, the, the genuine stories, they perhaps don't sell. A, a story like I buy, you know, people are like, oh, that's a, that's a good little story, but it doesn't get the headlines that, that what, the, the subjects we discussed. Mm. Yeah, fascinating stuff. I, I, one, one thing I would be curious about, and, and whether he. It doesn't seem as though he's consistently talking about it the way that, that players are talking about their futures, or even some managers would like to uh, would like to get their names out there. But what is Diego Simeone's immediate future? How much longer is he for that job? I know he was linked to Chelsea, but it seems as though at least the news cycle is claiming that they moved on to Allegri. Uh, is is Simeone going to stick this out and 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 be at, at Letty long term? Yeah, I think so. I think he's got a few more years, and I think he just really wants to deliver that Champions League to Atleti and, and, and bring this next core of players through. The people like Saul, who are the, you know, Yannick Ferreira, Carrasco, Correa as well, the young Argentinian. I think he wants to really bring those players through and keep Atleti in a steady footing, and we'll see what happens with this transfer ban as well, of course see if he can get through that. But I think Simeone will stay. He runs a very tight camp as well, Simeone, that's the thing. So you can't really expect many, many leaks right. coming from his camp. So if somebody was saying, oh, he's thinking of walking away this summer, you'd be a bit dubious as to where's that come from because there's not really much comes out from the Simeone camp. Yeah, yeah the, certainly he, he keeps his uh, his lips tight. What about what about Fernando Torres? I'm, I'm seeing some some rumors that he's got offers from you know the, the new money, MLS, maybe China, maybe the Middle East. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it looks like he has got some some offers, and his agent is drumming up a little bit of interest. I think because it's looking likely that Aleti will move on. He simply, I mean, it's it's a great sentiment he has with the fans. They they adore him. You know, he's he's that he's their boy. Um, so that this so they really really care for him a great deal and love him. But I think when you put the sentiment aside. You look, he doesn't really fit into what Atleti are doing. This this young core of of players, this this energy that Simeone likes to go for. I think Torres is in decline. It's been a nice effort to try and get him into the team, but it simply isn't working. And I think if he can get one more big contract um, mm. before he retires, then so be it. Uh, something about a, a century hit a century of of 
Did he score 100 goals for... Yeah, yeah, he hit his 100 goals. Yeah, it had taken him some time. He'd been stuck on 99 for quite some time, and then he finally got it. But it came at a good time because they were, they were trailing Iba, and and Fernando Torres got a, got an important goal, you know, and, and the comeback was really on from that. And uh, But it was the other Torres, funnily enough, who I think the change of the game was young Oliver Torres, the, no relation to Fernando, but it was when he came on, the game really changed for Lady. So there's uh, Fernando Torres again. Perhaps, I mean, a link to, to MLS, I mean, I... I, I... I'm sort of again. That's one of those situations where I'm torn, David. He's he's a name player. He's certainly a talented player. He could probably score some goals in in MLS, but it, it's a matter of how much he wants and how much uh, they'd have to pay him to get him here. And at, yeah. at 30, you know, he's not ancient, but at 31, how many years does he have left? And, and certainly, uh, you, you want a player who's committed. And and I, I have no reason to think that Fernando Torres would join any club and not give it his all. But we've certainly seen, you know, the way things went sour at at, at Chelsea that. It can be it can be really hard on him if he's not scoring goals. Yeah, emotionally he's a, you know he's a he's a very sensitive player. He's he's a lovely lovely person as well. So if he was at your club, you know he, he's very polite. He's, he, he makes time for everybody. So he's a, a really nice guy off the field. So and but and then it does kind of affect him on the field as well. That if he's not scoring, his confidence goes. His his touch goes. He starts making a few heavier touches, and it just doesn't really look good. But yeah, MLS is certainly a, a, an option for him, and and somebody like Carlos Vela as well. There's lots of talk still of him going to MLS. Yeah, we, we we we've tracked that tracked that a little bit with our Mexican football uh, correspondents, and 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 Vela obviously sort of the same type of player as Torres in terms of his. Uh, emotional state, a guy who says, mm-hmm. who has said, I'm not sure Torres has ever said this, but Vela has said, you know, this is a job, this is a thing I do, this isn't my life. And, and that doesn't always fit in with football mad cultures. And, I, and I'm curious how that goes over in Spain. Yeah, I mean, he's played like that for quite some time. And I mean, last night he, he played very well for the first time he did in a long time. He, he scored a wonderful chip goal. He's one of Carlos Vela's trademark chips. And um, that was the first time he's played really well for a while. And he looks like a player who just, like you mentioned, he, his heart doesn't look into it. And, he, you know, this is it's a job for him. It's not something that he's enamored by. Somebody like Ander Herrera at Manchester United, he says he sometimes watches 10 or 12 games a week. Carlos Vela will probably play the game that he's actually meant to be in and then never look at football again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's, just, it's just different strokes, really, for, for, for these players. Yeah, certainly a little Cantona in, the, in Carlos Vela there. Hopefully he doesn't... Mm-hmm do some of the other Cantona-like things. Okay, so, um, you know, we, we talked about uh, certainly two of the big sides. Uh, we, we, we really haven't, like, uh, Barcelona for you is going to march uh, to another title. Then it becomes a question of the Champions League. Obviously, um, you, you have this, the other Spanish representation in that tournament. And Real Madrid, um, after La Decima, would love to add one, even if they can't get the Premier League title, David. So what, um, you know, what do you see out of... Oh, I may have lost David Cartledge. I did not even notice I did that. All right. Well, we've lost David. The phone line dropped out. Why don't we step aside, come back, and see if we can grab him for just another couple of minutes. I do want to talk about Real Madrid. And there's a new futsal league starting up in the United States, and they're trying to get Barcelona as an investor. So I want to talk to David about that. Soccer morning right here on Backheel.com. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
We're back on Soccer Morning on a Tuesday. Joined uh, again by David Cartledge. We had a phone issue. Skype sometimes just doesn't want to cooperate. Uh, well, we got David back on. That was a phone situation. Now it's a Skype situation. So we shouldn't have any issues with him dropping off. Let me just get rid of the music. David, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still here. I'm yeah, Skype. Yeah. And you sound clear as a bell. We probably should have done this in the first place. Let's. Uh, all right. So, so I was... I was talking about Real Madrid. I started setting the table for a discussion of where things are right now. Obviously, Zidane taking over was the massive story. Um, a little, done a little bit better than Gary Neville at this point, but you know that's that's also because of the size of the club and the amount of talent that they have. But they are in third place. That's not where they want to be. Uh, what's going to salvage this season for Real Madrid? Yeah, I mean the, the big games what are, what are coming up. I think is when Zidane is going to be truly, truly judged. You know, he's gonna, they've got some. I mean, they've got this this Roma double header coming up. Roma are kind of turning a corner themselves as well with the new coach. So that's an interesting one to watch. And um, I mean, in, in, at the end of February, they've got a, a Madrid derby against Atleti as well. That, that one's going to be really, really interesting. And then I think in April is a key time as well because they play they play Barcelona. They have to go to camp now. They play Ibar, you know, and they, and they have to play Sevilla as well. But they've got some, they've got some winnable games certainly before then. All right, so um, Zidane uh, chugging along here. I mean, I, I imagine that. Look again, it's Real Madrid. They want to win everything they can possibly win. You don't, you don't give up on a season um, if you're that club. But, but I imagine there's going to be a lot of talk about how things are going to change under Zidane once he has a chance to look at the side in in the in the closed season get things ready, you know, build the team up towards 2016-17. How, how are things going to change? I mean, is there any notion at all? I mean, he, again, he's had to hit the ground running so quickly. I, I don't know that we have a grasp on that yet. Yeah, I mean, he, he has. I mean, the, the fixtures have been very, very kind to him. I think when he came into this job, he looked at the games that had coming up and, and he would have been really um, enthused by that, I think. He, he's got a nice, he had a nice run of games to get into the mode in Real Madrid and settle in with the players, get some routine wins under the belt, no disrespect to any other team. Um, so that's worked out well. And then I think in the summer is going to be decisions to be made. Obviously, the Ronaldo-Bale decision, we're going to have to, they're going to have to see what's going to happen with Cristiano Ronaldo or Gareth Bale, see if both stay, if one of them goes. I think he's got a problem, a problem maybe with James Rodriguez as well, who's mm. still just a little bit unsettled at the moment. He doesn't look too comfortable. I thought he was fat. So he's going to have to judge all these things. I thought I thought Hamas was fat these days. I thought that was the problem. Yeah, apparently, yeah, yeah, fat, and uh, he, he he goes out a lot to nightclubs. Apparently, apparently so. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, look, uh, obviously, when a player puts themselves in a position to be criticised uh, because their play isn't up to the standards that, that the fans expect, and certainly that the price tag that they that that, that was on them um, imagines that they that they'll be, um, it's sort of on them. But at the same time, I imagine that you know, for a player like Hamas, um, for anybody in that Real Madrid team. The, the crucible is 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 part of the problem. I mean, clearly it takes a manager and a, a and maybe a staff to sort of protect these players. Or, or in some cases, I mean, this has been true for a while now. David Ronaldo has drawn so much of the attention that it maybe made it easier for everybody else in that side. That that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's it's funny when the the James Rodriguez stories came out. There were one of the criticisms was that he he, he follows Cristiano Ronaldo around everywhere um, in the sense that he he looks up to him and he'll go out with him for lunch for for nights out. Uh, parties, things like that. And Hammers really looks up to Cristiano and he likes to be part of his gang. Um, and that's been a criticism as well. And that rolls on to Cristiano Ronaldo that there's just a little bit more criticism of Cristiano creeping in now as well with his game not being 
as peak as it once was. Um, that the, there's a there's a room for criticism, I think, for Cristiano. Mm. All right, let's uh, let's move on to a, to something that's happening uh, here, David. A lot of people on Twitter are sending me a link to a story, uh, and I'm not sure that you know anything about this, but I, but I ask, I want to ask you from a bigger picture perspective um, about investment. Um, it looks like the owner of the Dallas Ma- Mavericks, Mark Cuban, obviously a very famous NBA owner, um, is be is part of a new North American futsal league. And that Barcelona is also involved in this. At least that's the source. Um, that, that's what the sourcing is is saying here. Um, maybe even some other foreign ownerships, including um, Mikhail Prokhorov, who owns the New Jersey Nets, or sorry, the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Barcelona investing in something like this, I imagine, isn't completely out of character. I imagine it's part of their their program. How does how does buying a futsal team in the United States fit in with Barcelona's grander plan? Yeah, I mean it. I mean, it, there's Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Boca Juniors, and Corinthians. Oh, you're I think all over the this. Teams Look at this. In David's this. all over this. Sorry, David. I didn't know. Yeah, so I, yeah, I read the, I read, I was reading a, a something in, I think it was the Dallas News or something like that. There you go. The Dallas Morning newspaper. Yeah. So yeah, that's where I was reading this from. So yeah, I try to keep on top of things like this. Yeah, it's, again, it's, it's, it's just to get, get the brand out there, get the Barcelona name out there in the United States. It's such a big, big market they want to attack. And putting a futsal team out there links onto their other little projects they have because obviously Barcelona have a basketball team, yep. things like this. Yep. How, how does how does futsal do uh, in Spain? Yeah, it's popular and there's some very, very good players. It goes down well. It's not immensely popular, but it is. It's popular and a, a lot of people play as well. And, and, and yeah, it's, 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 it's got quite a bit of respect in Spain. Uh, I think, I think that for Americans, what they need to, to realize or recognize or be aware of is that futsal is the, the FIFA uh, approved indoor version of the sport that does not, it's not indoor soccer. Indoor soccer is an American creation that involves the boards for the most part of the major difference that i can tell futsal obviously a more open game but certainly in an indoor environment i don't know the field size i don't know how big the the pitch is david yeah i mean i'm not too sure exactly either but i do know a lot of good players have started out when they were children in futsal environments to name one <laughs> neymar yeah, <there laughs> he played go. a lot of futsal and, and he he puts that down to you know the, the way he plays now he learned a lot of things in futsal to, to bring to this game on a bigger field his close control working in smaller spaces when there's several players around him how to get out of these tight uh, situations so it helps a lot there so that that's something as well i look i think this is probably the the price point on getting invested is relatively low um you're talking about uh you know, you 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 don't have to go and build any sort of um, any sort of venues for this. Uh, there's plenty of of indoor arenas in the United States that can host these uh, these teams. Two teams in New York is is the report, I, I believe. Uh, again, Cuban being involved, I think, is more about um, you know if Cuban's involved, he sees growth there. I think that's probably a positive sign. And futsal is something that I constantly hear people tell me, David, that the United States needs to do more of. So, um, you know, at the ver- at the very least, we should uh, be encouraged. That this could be something good for uh, for for American soccer, but also you know for the growth of, of of a different version of the sport that that certainly has a lot of benefits for players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially from the American soccer point of view. I mean, some of the best Brazilian players they start off in futsal, like we said about Neymar, and you improve your technical qualities. I know in in uh, in the states you've got a lot of fantastic athletes, great physical players, but technically, this is something that could help um, younger players more certainly coming through. David Cartledge covering uh, Spanish football and does it uh, for um, a number of outlets, including being sport. You can follow him on Twitter at David, J-A-C-A. David, appreciate you holding through the technical issue there, and um, good to talk to you. We'll have you back soon.
Great. I look forward right. to it, man. There goes uh, David Cartlidge. Great stuff him, from him, as always. Love that chat. We will be back. We'll open up the phone lines. We'll talk to you on a Tuesday. Soccer morning on Backheel.com. Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason David. All right, we're back on Soccer Morning on a Tuesday. Thank you to David Cartlidge for jumping on. Talk a little La Liga with us and also some futsal. I Look, I'll admit I know what futsal is. I've seen some futsal highlights. I've never watched a futsal game. I've never attended a futsal game, certainly. We don't really do futsal in the United States. Now it looks like we're going to, that there's going to be a league here. And again... Uh, the parties involved include Mark Cuban, uh, Mikhail Prokhorov, the Bus family, which owns the Los Angeles Lakers, FC Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Boca Juniors, uh, and Corinthians. That's a that's a pretty heavy lineup. Now, again, is it just slap your name brand on something, and you know now you 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 got Bar- FC Barcelona of America futsal team? It doesn't matter to you. Does that feel appropriate, right, correct, as a sports fan? That would be the question number one to me because if this thing is going to happen, I would want it to be successful, both for both for its own purposes, success for success sake. More soccer in the in the uh, American sphere is a good thing, but also as a uh, as a developmental tool, as we just talked about with David, there is some truth to the to the belief that futsal makes for better technical players. If Americans have an opportunity to join futsal teams and become better technical players, then that's great. Let's do that. Now, I imagine this is going to be professional futsal players. How much room will there be for developing American players? I'm reading from the, uh, the, the very article that David referenced at the Dallas, um, the Dallas Morning News website. It's dallasnews.com. Uh, it says last week's announcement that Mark Cuban had become a principal owner of a new North American league for a sports called sport called futsal heightened buzz about the venture. A source told the Dallas Morning News on Monday that the 16 team professional futsal uh, league franchisees include multiple NBA owners and some of the world's most prestigious soccer clubs. In other words, it will be a marriage of soccer and basketball, which is how many describe futsal which is a five-per-side indoor soccer, the only one sanctioned by FIFA. Uh, let's see. Though futsal has played in 198 of the 207 FIFA member associations around the world, the Professional Futsal League is being planned as the world's most preeminent, with the top players being funneled here and receiving the sport's highest salaries. The league doesn't plan to begin until 2017, but we should get some details uh, as we move along here. Uh Representatives of the 16 franchises and officials from soccer clubs in Europe, South America, and China are scheduled to meet Tuesday and Wednesday in Dallas about this. Along with Dallas, cities that will have franchise, franchises include New York, Los Angeles, Seattle, Vancouver, that's Seattle slash Vancouver, Boston, Chicago, and Miami. 
Uh, let's see. New York will have two teams, one out, one owned outright by FC Barcelona, the other by Prokhorov. Uh, let's see. PFL will consist of about 50 games. Season start and end dates will be largely determined by television networks. Barcelona, Chelsea, and Bayern Munich are in the process of establishing offices in New York. Well, Bayern Munich already has one. A sign of their eagerness to tap into the American market. This is a this is dip toes in water type of situation. Again, the the the, the cost is marginal when compared to a full outdoor soccer team. Roberto, you're on the air. What's up? Hey, Jason. Good morning. Good morning, sir. I just want to go back to the, what you were talking about futsal. I think that's really vital if it does come into the um, well. I guess more American players um, play the sport because. You look at how many uh, South American youth players are starting their um, careers, and they start by playing futsal before playing 11 on side. Have you realized that? Well, I'm sorry, say that one more time, Roberto. I said that it would be good for the Americans, for more American players to play futsal because that's being done in like South America and how that, that uh, proves how successful they've been. Yeah, sure. Uh, Again, no, but, but my question, my concern here, Roberto, is, is when you read the details, this is, of course, because it's America. And because it's Mark Cuban, and it's because these it's these people, they have to do it bigger and better than anybody else, right? So this, again, it's identified yeah. as an attempt to create the world's best futsal league. And I don't have a problem with that, except I wonder if that means there's any room for Americans at all. You know, it's, it's sort of the way the NASL came to be when, you know, when Warner Communications jumped on board and bought the Cosmos and there was a real push to, to start to, to suck up some of the world's best talent, you know, before the Bosman rule had come into effect and, and you had to sign players who were on free contracts or had been, had managed to get out of their contracts or, 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 you know, there, there was a limited number of players who could find a way out of their countries at the time and it allowed the NASL to put together collections of talent from a European perspective, a South American perspective that nobody had really seen before. Nowadays, that's everybody. That's Manchester United and Real Madrid and Barcelona and, and, and PSG. So when you talk about this futsal league, they're going to go and do that same sort of idea, obviously on a much lower level. I don't expect it to be uh, fraught with financial issues with some of these names that are involved. But that does mean that, like the NASL, there might not be a, a lot of room for American players. No, I, I, I understand. I'm um, sticking to my two questions about Liga. Uh, I was just watching uh, Luis Enrique's uh, press conference, and he um, he brought up a funny quote. And I, I wonder, uh, I wanted to mention it to you. Um, obviously, they won the first like seven nil to Valencia, and just speaking prior to that game, he said that it won't be an easy game. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, and no, no, that's it. That's it. That, that's well, so, so like, look. Um... Luis Enrique strikes me as the kind of guy who's not, I mean, it, what is he supposed to say, right? I mean, is he supposed to say, yeah, we're going to destroy them, this isn't going to be a contest, uh, we probably won't even break a sweat, let's see if we can get Neymar 4? I mean, is he going to say that? I, I don't know, but I, I didn't expect him to say it won't be an easy game. Okay, so what you just you'd rather him sort of just, because what, what, what we've got there obviously is a guy who's been trained by his family by his upbringing to be polite and even when he knows right. it's not going to be much of a challenge for his incredibly talented team he says the right thing which is yeah you know every game is tough every game is difficult you never know what the opponent's going to throw at you and you know what sometimes yeah, yeah one day someone's going to beat barcelona one nothing and luis enrique can go see look i told you look at what ibar did to us or whoever you know yeah I, yeah anything can happen anything. and i'm just my second question yeah. and it's about a 
I don't know if you saw the article on ESPN regarding uh, Sergio Busquets and his interest, well, not his interest, but um, how Pep Guardiola could possibly um, take him away from, Bar- from Barcelona. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, so I, 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 go ahead. Sorry. Your thoughts on that. Well, no, I mean, I your thoughts on that. you know, he's incredibly important to Barcelona, right? Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at my Twitter feed, and not too long ago, four four two or somebody was posing the question as to whether or not uh, Sergio Busquets is the best midfielder in the world right now. And he is. Yeah, you, you can make that argument, right? That's a pretty uh, you know whether or not you 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 know how you value different midfield roles may impact how you rate Sergio Busquets in relation to some other midfielders but if we're talking about the a guy who is crucial to his team and does his job better than anybody else he's probably up there they, they you know i don't know if if Pep's going to be able to to entice him to city really do you think Busquets is the kind of guy who says you know see you later barcelona i'm i'm good i'm going to go play at manchester i hope i kind of hope not i kind of hope he's that guy who who doesn't who who doesn't um, you know doesn't trade? I mean, I guess that would be money, but it'd also be about Pep, right? So I, I would. I, uh, go yeah, ahead. yeah. Because yeah. I mean, he's been. No, no. I see him as a. He's I, been see, him there's, a, I co- see him as a one club player. Probably. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I would want him to be. And, and I and I recognize Roberto that we don't we don't live in an era an era anymore when one club players are really even possible, much less likely. So when there's a chance for a player to be a one club club player, and you know, at some point, Sergio Busquets, if in five years maybe, isn't going to be good enough for Barcelona anymore, and he'll have to make a decision. But he's 27; it's not time to make that decision yet. Yeah, yeah, of course. But um, when you look at a player who is aging, like Iniesta, like yeah, I don't want to say aging, but Messi is getting on that type of level. But um, those are the, those are two players that are capable of staying at that club for the rest of their careers. Yeah, I mean Messi's twenty eight. Uh, he'll be twenty nine this summer. I, 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 you know, I can't imagine, barring some medical issue that's not even related necessarily to aging. That's more about randomness. I mean, this kidney stone thing. Certainly, it's painful. It can be painful. I don't think it's going to keep him out um, of action for very long, if, if at all. So, but but barring something like that, you know, oh, his spleen ruptured or he's got a heart palpitation, yeah. you just can't imagine Lionel Messi slowing down enough to justify Barcelona saying goodbye for another four or five years at the very least. I mean, while he is not the physical specimen that Ronaldo is, look at how old Ronaldo is and he's still getting it done. Every, every the, While it may be a different situation at Real Madrid because of the, the, the intensity of, um, of the spotlight there and you know when you have set your bar so high, if you come in underneath it, people are going to question whether or not you're dipping. Ronaldo is still going to be wanted by every other club in the world uh, other than, Bar- than than Real Madrid if they decide they're done with him, and clearly they're not. So I think, Bar- I think Barcelona and Messi are going to be in the same boat. Neymar is incredibly young. Um, you know, Suarez is, is going to be the guy that leaves eventually, and, and they are going to be fine leaning on the same talent that they have now for the foreseeable future. Absolutely, and you could... You could um... You could see that from their academy. Yeah, absolutely. And, so and, happy, and they're um, always going to get one or two kids out of La Masia that is going to be able to make an impact at the professional level, and and, and you know maybe not push out the established names, but come in alongside, help defray, so you know help deal with some of the fatigue that 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 an older player may start to to feel at the age of thirty one, thirty two, thirty three, and then you know either they. 
keep bringing that kid along and he eventually replaces the the veteran who then you know plays one or two more years as a part-time player and says goodbye or people move on i mean again we don't want iniesta to move on we don't want Bus- and i'm no barcelona fan but we don't want busquets and barcelona and iniesta and, and these guys to move on when 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 uh when xavi move up moved uh to where is he, where is he qatar xavi's qatar, in qatar, right qatar. i mean it, that's weird to me like i don't like it at all it's it it doesn't feel right when you're at a club for a long time and then you leave uh this a certain club Go to another one at the twilight of their career. It just seems weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and look, they they get you know he gets to make his own decisions. Xavi got to make his own decision right. at the age of thirty six to go to go and be an ambassador and chase the cash and coach and whatever he's doing. And good for him. Uh, and, you know, we, we, and he's we, won everything. And he's won everything under yeah. the sun. He's he's won everything that that he could possibly hope to win. It's not about that anymore. And and, and he probably doesn't want to be relegated to, um, you know, to the to the bench and and have. You know, these guys, whether or not they are egotists, they are certainly attracted to the attention and they become dependent on the attention. And when you say to, to, to Xavi Hernandez, yeah, um, we're going to go talk to everybody else before we talk to you, even though you're an all time great, then maybe it's time to say, all right, that's enough. I'm, I'm out of here. And, and you don't want to be a burden either. I think that's probably part of it. For me, uh, going back to what you said about Messi, I think if he does leave, He's going to Argentina. I think that's the only place that he's going to go. Yeah, that's that's such a weird. I mean, I don't I don't know enough about how what he's talked about, but when you look at that situation, Roberto, and the possibility he could do that, I mean, what I, I get Tevez doing it. Okay, Tevez became a professional. He 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 evolved into the player he is in Argentina. That's not what Messi. That's not what mm-hmm. happened with Messi. So when nah. when Messi goes back, is he going to, you know, if he goes back? Is that going to be the same sort of experience? Clearly not. Does that mean he doesn't want to go back? I don't know. Yeah, it's only going to be a matter of time. But uh, let's just appreciate what we have now and wait until then. Yeah, I, you know what's going to be interesting is when Messi starts to get to, you know, again, five years. When he's 30, 31, 32, maybe his, his goals start to fall off a bit. Maybe there is somebody else coming through at Barcelona um, that, that starts to, to grab a little bit of the spotlight and, and, and takes on the goal burden, especially if they feel as though they're not keeping up with Real Madrid and the rest of Europe. It's going to be interesting to see what MLS does and where MLS is at that point. Because, and it's the same thing with Ronaldo. And, and Ronaldo is closer to that day than Messi is based on age. How much MLS trips over itself, or if MLS decides at that point, again, five years from now, if that's even the path they're, they're going to be on anymore. Or, or you know, are we at a point then that the league has started to develop its own players enough that they say, well, yeah, it would be great to have Lionel Messi here, and certainly he'd bring a lot of attention, but we're not going to sacrifice $10 million bucks a year, whatever it's going to take to get him here, when we have, you know, I don't know, Jordan Morris, when we have uh, uh, Tommy Thompson, when we have some of these players coming through who could potentially be stars here and then maybe move on. And then they also will face some stiff competition if they, if they uh, continue to be at the level that they're at it's from China. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's going to be a pretty intense market. I mean, hell, you know, China. I, I hear China's coming in for for Payet today. I hear China's coming in yeah, for the, the uh, uh, Zico Lavetsi. They made it. Uh, I think that's already Daniel. done. Who? Who else? Dani Alves. Danny yeah. Alves. Danny, like, China may have come in with an insane offer for Dani Alves. Should they do that? I mean, should he do that? No. <laughs> you say no. All right, uh, Roberto, I appreciate the call, man. Yeah, you too, Jake. There goes uh, Roberto up in Connecticut. It's, uh, it's like they're a 
tag team. One go, one calls in, and then the other one calls in on top of you know to follow up. Robert in L.A., what's up? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things that happens. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, I want to talk about uh, Leicester City. You were uh, talking about it yesterday, and you were trying to do comparisons. And a lot of talk, when you have the experts on, you're, you're saying uh, they say it's the MLS. Uh, I mean, not, not the MLS. The Premier League is a down year with Chelsea, uh, United, Ar- uh, Arsenal, and Manchester City all bad or you know underperforming. And that's why uh, Leicester's been able to, to almost like they're, they're top of the table. And then you said uh, earlier that one example was uh, when the Colorado Rapids won the MLS Cup like in 2010. And then you also said that was a down year. Do you see a comparison? Because during I remember uh, I don't know if you remember you saw this, but during the after the MLS season ended and it was like no, I know MLS in uh, general. I'm sorry, the offseason, a lot of people were, were saying that the Colorado Rapids were, um, uh, especially one person that works in MLS, I, w- I won't say his name, but he pretty much said that Leicester City is the ML, uh, EPL version of the Colorado Rapids and that Jamie Vardy is pretty much uh, the EPL version of Chris Wondolowski. Somebody said that? What is yes. that? I don't. What does that mean exactly? Like, like the Rapids are a team you don't expect to do anything and then Wondolowski is... Like a one-hit one? Because, like a, uh, I don't understand. Because uh, Jimmy Vaughn was like in the eighth tier of English soccer and worked his way up and won the last oh, was in a, quote, I second see. division college team and then sure. was a reserve player before moving on to a first-team player that's and was true. a late bloomer, kind of like Jimmy Vaughn is. Cause yeah, okay. I mean, But that's the thing, though. It's all happening at one club in, in the Premier League right now to the surprise of everyone because they don't have – they don't compete on the same financial level. If – yeah, if, if there are certain clubs in MLS who can spend a lot of money on three players, but everybody else is pretty level. I mean, every, in terms of everything else, they're pretty level. So I don't think there's any comparison at all. Uh, now, for me, when I saw it, it was, it was like during the December area, like when uh, Jamie Barry broke his record, and I think most of it was uh, a little tiny cheek and a bunch of clickbait. Okay. But uh, I don't know if anyone saw. I don't know if you saw that. No, I mean, look, I'm not gonna. I, I don't think that that's. I don't think that's something I need to worry myself about uh, my, myself with too much. I mean, it's <laughs> like you said, it's probably clickbait. It's probably uh, trying to be um, tried to, trying to be a little provo- provocative. Uh, I don't know who who this was. You haven't told me, but I imagine it's somebody who is uh, has a reputation for for throwing stuff out there to try to get people all riled up. So yeah, uh, y- yes, I'm, I won't say it. Just I'm, uh, I'm sure if you're a hardcore ML fan, you'll probably know that. But I, I just wanted to get that in. Yeah, do you have any more calls? Can I ask you one more question, Jason? Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you were talking earlier with your guest about uh, the foosball. foosball and uh, I don't know if you know Futsal. this. Uh, there's a, in Spain, there's a, a basketball league, and there's a Barcelona, and they pretty much look like the football team with the red and white stripes. Yeah, they're, I was just yeah. wondering uh, if, if the rest of the world played uh, high-level basketball and high-level NFL football, like American football, do you think Americans will be able to keep track of it like when you keep track of when you have guests you keep track of spain mexico england ah, germany yeah if if there's nfl all around the world i knew there used to be like 20 years ago there's nfl europe like if you think <laughs> nobody cared about that <laughs> i don't know if you remember that but yeah sure nobody yeah. cared about that <laughs> a lot of people don't want to remember that but if you understand the analogy i'm trying to say no, no, like i think yeah certainly soccer is unique in the fact that there is 
high level of play happening in many places around the world, it does make it a daunting proposition for people to jump into the sport because, and especially in this country where I think that too often people are judgmental about the knowledge that you hold. This happens in every sport, by the way. If you tell tell somebody that you're a, a Steelers fan, you better be able to recite uh, the Super Bowls that they won in the seventies. You better be able to talk about the Steel Curtain and Terry Bradshaw and, and Lloyd. Uh, no, sorry, uh, uh, Lynn Swan. Immaculate reception. Yeah, you, yeah, immaculate reception. You better be able to talk about all that stuff, or they're going to judge you. Oh, you're not really a Steelers fan. When it comes to soccer, it goes bigger picture. People tend to be well. If you don't know what's happening in the Premier League and La Liga and Syria and and France and Russia and South America, and you've never heard of, you know, if you've never heard of Boca Juniors or you've never heard of uh, Corinthians or you've never heard of, um, I, I mean, hell, there's other big clubs in, in outside of Brazil and Argentina and South America that, that, that people are supposed to know and you're supposed to know Europe. I mean, I, hopefully people are welcoming. I'm, I think because it's going to be too much, it, it is too much. I mean, hell, I, it's my job, Robert, and I'm still like overwhelmed by. Everything that's happening. You gotta pick your leagues that you like, that you care about, or one, or one team. That still doesn't make you any less of a fan. So, uh, I, I think that if there was something like a, a, a worldwide NFL or a, a American football type of scene, then, you know, it'd just be like that. It'd be the same sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And I'll just say this one last point before I leave. Actually, I don't know if you know this. There actually is a certain version. I saw this, uh, Last summer, it's called the IAFA, the International Federation of American Football, and yeah. it's a quote like World Cup of NFL. Yeah. yeah, and it's held every four years. It was held in Ohio, and like the quarterback was like, you think it'll be like America's great quarterback? But it was like Brett Favre's nephews in college. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I've seen I've seen those games. It's like uh, it's usually D two D two kids up against like like uh, little Japanese guys. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah, I just don't. I just, uh, I always, when I saw it, when I first heard about it, I thought it was like the most craziest thing. I, I'm surprised no, like, uh, American well, fans it, ever heard of that. But, all it right, doesn't matter. That's what yeah. I want to say. It, it, uh, thanks for taking my call. Appreciate Jason. it, Robert. Oh, all over the place today, Robert. I, I, I people just don't care. I mean, obviously the NFL is the big, uh, the big, uh, the big American football product. I mean, uh, it's just the, the way it is. Futsal in the United States. Very interesting, uh, possible league happening here in a couple of years or next year, excuse me. Uh, backed by Mark, Mark, Mark Cuban, uh, some of the biggest clubs in the world, NBA owners. Uh, again, my questions revolving around that 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 effort relate to whether or not people are going to go out and and support futsal in the same way they support their other sports teams. Because I think one of the hardest parts of starting a sports league of any type, if the XFL. Uh, alternatives to uh, the NBA, Major League Baseball, uh, American football, hockey, wh- whatever it is. I mean, we've, and we've seen this happen over the course of, uh, of, of, of decades. But especially now in the modern television era where if you want to see a sport, if you want to pay a little bit of money, you're going to be able to see that sport. If you want to be a Barcelona fan, you get the right package. You live in San Francisco. You can watch all the Barcelona you want. Um, it's going to be difficult, I think, because of the culturally embedded nature, and this is what MLS had to deal with when it started, and, and I think MLS got in at exactly the right time, otherwise it would be in a, a, an even tougher sell, the, 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 the idea that you're going to get people to become emotionally invested in a new professional sports team in the same way they are emotionally invested in their baseball team or their basketball team or their football team. How do you do that? 
you know, uh, the, the new the new um, MLS franchises that are popping up in Atlanta and Minnesota and L.A. and maybe Miami and certainly some other places, they have to deal with this. But they, I, I think what's interesting is that there's an established league. There's not a... There's not already a soccer, uh, 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 an outdoor soccer product that, that is going to draw them in. I mean, in some cases there is, and it's a battle. Uh, or some cases it is, and that, that team didn't do a good enough job selling themselves. But when you have, not only do you have here a professional sports team that's got to get people interested and committed, now you've got a professional sports team that's playing a different version of the sport that people know, and you have to sell the idea of futsal. We've been doing indoor soccer in this country for a very long time, and I imagine that there are people who will call themselves indoor soccer fans. I'm a fan of the Baltimore Blast. I've been a fan since 19-whatever. That's probably true, but I think that's a very small niche portion of, of the American soccer fan base. Can futsal grow that 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 niche? I'd be curious to see. Uh, by the way, I just heard yesterday that they're rebooting Voltron on Netflix, and I'm very conflicted. We may have to have a discussion about this. Um, I grew up in the prime of Voltron era, and uh, this is troubling. Because if you get it wrong, you ruin it forever. Yeah, and there's a new Premier League logo as well. I'm, I'm seeing some pictures. It's just a lion's head, right? And then they're going to move the, the Premier League word mark around. There's no ball. He looks very, I mean, he looks regal, don't get me wrong, but he also kind of looks like, like, I don't know. That's It's kind of weird. I, I'm not sure I'm a fan of this. We're getting, thinking too hard about these um, these logos. All right, that's going to do it for us on a Tuesday. Thank you very much to David Cartledge of um, BN Sport 442 and many other places. Uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow with a Wednesday episode. I think there's an FA Cup game today. Maybe we'll talk about that. West Ham and Liverpool. Yeah. Talk some futsal. Talk Voltron. Whatever's on your mind. We'll see you then. Bye.